Hey guys, it's Brandon. For a long time, I've been wanting to showcase a few non-Star Wars conversations, specifically with the major cast and crew of my other favorite Lucasfilm franchise, Indiana Jones. So this is the first installment of a special bonus series of an Indiana Jones podcast that will show up in this feed occasionally. We recorded this live, so the audio is slightly spotty at times, but the conversation itself is so great. Let me know if you enjoy it and want to hear more Indiana Jones content, but in the meantime, please enjoy the first episode of Bad Dates. Thank you for tuning in to Bad Dates, an Indiana Jones podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators who brought everyone's favorite archaeologists to life. Today's episode is a rare conversation with Indy's arch-rival, the devious Rene Balak himself, Paul Freeman. No need to speak covitos, Mr. Freeman gives some incredible insight into filming the greatest adventure movie of all time, Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is Bad Dates, episode one. Paul Freeman. So where did I get started? I think I'd always acted since I was a very small kid uh, in North London where I was born. I used to go to a kindergarten school on Sundays, which was just for my uh, parents to get me and my brother out of the house. Right. But they had a little theatre thing they used to do once a year, and uh, uh, the first time I was on a stage, I appeared as a spider. Okay. And my mother had made the costume, this big black tights thing with legs hanging, and there was some sort of dance involved. And I remember that the whole costume during the dance split up the back. Uh-huh. So I started off with a very embarrassing. Right. You started off strong. Right. Yeah. And, so then and it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> No, then uh, uh, normal London childhood, going to school and stuff. But when I was in school, I started doing school plays. And then I left school and I went into advertising. And when I was there, I joined a quite old and established amateur theatre company in London. And so after my working day, I would go over to there and start doing some Uh stuff in the evenings. And then I had a girlfriend who was at a teacher's training college and I was in advertising, and I wasn't enjoying it. I had to wear a suit and tie all the time. Uh, so eventually I thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I thought the advertising might be a way to get into films through writing and copywriting right. and stuff. And then it became apparent that it wasn't going to be a clear path. So I gave it up and went to a teacher's training college which was specializing in drama. And when I was there, in the year I was in, in my class was Helen Mirren and uh, a number of other people who became quite uh, important in avant-garde theater at the time. So I suddenly saw it was possible to become an actor. I didn't have to be a teacher, and uh, that's where it changed. I left there and went into, we used to have a system in Britain of um, small provincial towns, having each each town had a good repertory theater. And you would do, uh, first of all, it was weekly. You'd do one play each week. Oh, wow. Just a very so while quick. one was on during the day, you'd mm. be rehearsing the next one for the wow. night, you know? And uh, out of that, I left there, went into theatre, stayed in theatre for, I don't know, 
eight years or something and then started doing TV gradually and out of that came a movie. And the first movie that made any difference really, well I was quite lucky with the first two. The first one was called um, Dogs of Dogs of War uh, with Christopher Walken and Tom Berenger. And before that, there was a thing with John McKenzie called The Long Good Friday, mm -hmm. which was a London film, again with Helen Mirren, who stayed an old friend. Mm -hmm. And Bob Hoskins was in the lead in that. And uh, Spielberg saw me in um, this sort of drama documentary about the stoning of a Saudi Arabian princess. Mm -hmm. It was a true story, very interesting film. You can still get hold of it, called Death of a Princess. He wanted to meet me after that. Right. He'd already cast this part. Right with um, an Italian actor called Gian Maria Giannini, I think his name is. He's still around. But for some reason, he saw me in this thing, drama doc, and wanted me. So I finished doing Dogs of War in Belize and flew to L.A. to meet him. They gave me the script, and uh, I said, I like it, and that was it. So you went to L.A., you went, was it Egg Marketing Board, or what was the... Oh, you heard that, I, yeah, oh, I, but yeah. their offices at the time were where Universal now is, right. but it was at the Egg Marketing Board, little brick single-story building, right. bungalow, actually. And uh, the nice story about that is that uh, in those days, I walked in and Spielberg and Lucas was sitting on the floor listening to those little cassette players that we, you won't remember this, but when cassette players first came out, you had to listen on earphones or the reproduction wasn't good. Uh -huh. And then suddenly somebody invented these very small speakers. They had to, it wasn't wireless or Bluetooth. You connected them, and they were really good. The reproduction was very good. Uh -huh. Or at least we thought it was good because we hadn't seen anything like it. Right. And they were lying on the floor and said, hey, Paul, come here, listen to this. So we all lay down on the floor in the egg marketing board listening right. to this music. <laughs> and a terrific reproduction. So you get the script, you get the role. Uh, yeah, they, they gave me the script, and they said, well, I guess because they'd already spoken to the Italian actor, mm -hmm. they said, we'll let you know in a week. So I, I just met my wife. She was working on Dogs of War. Okay. We took a holiday and went round Arizona, and while I was in Globe, Arizona, uh -huh. I heard from the office that I'd got the job. And so then you flew out. Where was the first part of the, the shooting at? That was in London. Okay. The first part, um, well, the rehearsals and setup were in London. And I had a call there to go and see Spielberg again. I sat, and of course I thought, oh, he's changed his mind, he doesn't right. want me. And instead he just said, I forgot to ask you what you're, if you can do a French accent. So I just said, oh, I couldn't do it. You know, I sort of cut it around. He said, yeah, it's fine, good, great. That was it. But the first bit of filming was in, um, where did we start? We started in France, in the submarine pen in La Rochelle. There's an old, enormous concrete submarine pen that they haven't been able to blow up since mm. the war that the Germans built. Right. And that's where we started. Yeah. And we ended up in Hawaii. We did the, the first sequence last. Right. Well, let's talk about that first sequence, because I actually just watched it on the big screen two weeks ago. They played it here, uh, and seeing it at home is one thing, and seeing it on the big screen is a completely other oh, yeah. story. And especially that first 10, 15 minutes is some of the best filmmaking of all time. Oh, it is, isn't it? And then capped off by your first appearance in the movie. What was that like, I guess, at the tail end of the production? I don't remember a lot about it, because I said we did it in Hawaii, mm -hmm. and everybody, that was after the whole shoot in Tunisia. Right. And everybody in Tunisia got ill, in, including me. Right. And I didn't get ill until the last day. Oh, wow. And so I was ill on the, on the whole flight, right. going across to, we stopped in Minneapolis, and then, so Tunisia, London, right. Minneapolis, onto Hawaii, right. and I was just feeling rotten the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember a lot about that first 
sequence except to just trying to keep it together and not be ill, you know. Well, that's a recurring theme throughout the entire production. Yeah, it and was. It, and it led to a lot of improv <clears throat> on set, which contributes well, to a lot of Well, the famous one is yeah. that great thing when the guy, the, it's the same stunt guy, of right. course. You see him several times, Pat Roach, right. dressed in black in that sequence. And there is a documentary footage of them rehearsing right. the day before a sword fight. But when it got to it, Harrison was too ill to even hardly stand up. Right. So he just said, why didn't I shoot him? And that was it. What were some of the improv scenes that you did, especially like the well, Karen the, Allen tent scene? That was, I think that was the only really improvised one that we did. And because Karen and I had both come from the theater, we were very happy to do that. Right. And Stephen had said, this scene isn't really very well not very fully written. Right. Go away and work on it and see what you come back with. Yeah. So that's what we And it's wonderful. It is. Yeah. It is probably one of my favorite scenes of any Indiana Jones oh, movie. Good. Just the personalities kind of yeah. clashing and yeah. trying to figure out each other is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. And you get to see that Belloc's not such a villain. It's just a right. dedicated uh, historian. It's a very very dedicated archaeologist. Mm-hmm. That's all exactly. it is. He's not, yeah. not a bad guy, and he has a family label, and you know, it's... Yeah, yeah. So, I guess, moving through filming Indiana Jones and working with Karen Allen, working with Harrison Ford, working with Lucas and Spielberg, all of these incredible actors, and you just performing one of the most iconic villain roles, what was it like being on set and establishing this character of Belloc? You mentioned the French accent kind of came after the audition process. What was this process of building him like? Well, I'd love to be able to tell you I did hours and hours of research and uh, was forever reading, and, but I wasn't at all. I was just sort of, you know, I think there's a great deal of our job which is imagination. Right. And if you haven't imagined the character, mm-hmm. no amount of research is going to help you. Right. If you have imagined, research might help, but I just did the imagination. I didn't do the research. Right. What was it like filming the the arc scenes? You kind of mentioned the the facility itself, but then when you moved to the actual opening of the arc. Well, of course, all that stuff was done with rather primitive green screen. It looks a bit primitive now, too, doesn't it? I saw it, too, a couple of weeks ago. For me, that was the hokiest part of the whole movie, for doing that. And it's as an acting exercise, it's very objective you've got nothing to work with really you know Stevens going it's coming at you duck down you know and you don't know what you're doing so you just hope it's gonna turn out not a very satisfying thing for an actor to do but uh, it's become the norm now of course what was your favorite scene to film I guess of of all of the (laughs) iconic indie scenes what was what was your favorite whether because of the acting you had to do or because of the people you were working with well it was it was a very good it was a very good and happy shoot Mm -hmm. but the thing, I think the thing I enjoyed most was that scene in the canyon where they're mm. trudging up there and he's up with the bazooka on the top and uh, I grabbed the gun, you know, a bit of action. After Raiders, you worked with, especially Lucas again, on Young Indy. Yeah. For a couple episodes. What was that like coming back to the world of Indiana Jones, not being Belloc and, and still working? Well, it was, it was strange because yeah. it was called the same thing, but the experience of doing it was completely different. Mm-hmm. I must say it was also one of the better experiences of my working life mm-hmm. because to be in Kenya at that time, mm-hmm. that must be 25, 30 years ago now, mm-hmm. And we were filming out in game parks. It was a wonderful, wonderful shoot. And the character I was playing, Frederick Silu, they ought to make a film about his life. He was an extraordinary man. Right. The main game park in Tanzania is still called Silu uh, Park. Mm-hmm. I must go there one year. It's, it's very, very famous. And his story is wonderful. 
And most of that story in that series is true right. about him. In fact, I think it's for most of the series, they relied on historical Right, it events. was a big passion for Lucas to be historical. Yeah, and yeah, and most of that particular story, bizarre though it was, right. was very true. Yeah. There was an actress sitting on the floor which shot her off her horse and the center was meant to be down here. And I, over here in the valley, I saw a herd of giraffe come in and uh, they had a lot of young with them. And then I saw them scatter. So by then, I'd, sorry, I keep bashing this, I'd completely lost interest in the scene and I had an assistant that told him to go and get my binoculars. Right. So I edged out of the picture so I could watch. And plainly some lion had gone in there and got one of the right. young giraffes. Wow. So I mean that was an extraordinary experience. Yeah. That whole shoot was like that. I mean you've done so much and so many you know we could talk about Power Rangers, we could talk about you know all of these incredible roles you've done but one of the ones recently and a nice surprise for me while I was watching it on, on the screen was was Hot Fuzz mm -hmm. and working with Edgar Wright, working with Simon Pegg. What was that like? How did you first get involved with, with that? Um, I think in the normal way my agent had put me up for it. I didn't know much about Simon or Edgar mm -hmm. at that time. I liked them as soon as I met them. And that too was great fun. The extraordinary thing about that was that all the other guys in the film were right. my contemporaries. We were all guys we'd grown up with. Right. Ken Cranham and I, when we were young actors, used to share a flat together. Wow. We knew each yeah. other terribly well. Uh -huh. Tim Dalton, I knew terribly well. Yeah. All those guys. Yeah. Jim Broadbent, I knew terribly well. Carl Johnson, I've gone, all of them. So yeah. it, was, it was just great fun. That is so great. Yeah. And, and it is one of the funniest movies ever, isn't it? I didn't see all the gags until I'd seen it at least eight times. Right. And I suddenly thought, oh, now I'm getting Everything every single gag. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You can just, as you, all those Cornetto trilogy movies, you can just watch over and over again. Yeah. Because, so well, much. Now I, I want you to be back part of that Edgar Wright universe and kind of. You worked with Simon Pegg again on the, what was it, uh, Fear it was of Everything? It's called A Fantastic Fear of Everything. Not a very successful film. No, but I still, again, the humor of Simon Pegg is something that yeah, I'm very drawn yeah, to. Yeah, and um, our scenes together were fun. I had yeah. a nice character to play in that, but uh, definitely. not a wholly successful film, I right. would say that. No, definitely. Besides film, I know one of your other passions is charity, and especially the work that you do for Uganda. Yeah, I have um, a charity that my wife and I set up in uh, 10 years ago, it's actually the 10th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Um, we had visited uh, Uganda where our daughter was working for an NGO and we met this um, lo local young Ugandan couple who were looking after about 60 street orphans. Uganda had one of the best records in the African countries for dealing with HIV AIDS mm -hmm. but consequently there are an enormous number of orphans all over the country. And we gave them a little money and we went back home and we went back a year later and they set up a school. So we thought we've got to support this. Yeah. And we've been doing it ever since. Now I'm backing, I've got a new chairman mm -hmm. coming in and a new board of trustees because I'm just, um, I need to do a bit more of my work right. now and step back from that. But we've got people who are coming in to take control Definitely. of it. And we've got Helen Murren as our patron too. She's been with us for some years doing that and that's terrific. And it's going very well. We've just had to rebuild the school because it was originally a wooden mm -hmm. school and the terrible problem there in the, that climate with termites who eat all the wood. So the school has started to become a bit dangerous and the government said we've got to put a brick school in. Mm. We've now virtually done it and if anybody wants to give us yeah. as much money as they can we need 15,000 pounds to complete it. Is there a website that someone listening could yeah. go to? UKHF 
It's called United Kingdom Friends of Healing Focus. That will find us. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Mr. Freeman, thank you so much for taking the time and talking. I've thank this you. Is I've such enjoyed a, it. This is Been such a dream. Good. Yeah. Thank you Thanks very much. Thanks again to Mr. Freeman for such an insightful look into his career. I'll use any excuse to talk about young Indiana Jones, and I am so glad he enjoyed his time working on both that and Raiders. We have a link in our show notes to the incredible work he is now doing in Uganda, so please check it out. And as is most often the case with our live interviews, a huge thank you to Zach McGinnis and Galactic Productions for coordinating this great conversation. And while we wait until next time, leave a five-star review, because... Well, I'm like a bad penny. I always turn up.